America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation despite the fact that uh, the leading Republican presidential candidate, who's the former president of the United States, believes that he is being subjected uh, every day and in every way from lots of different sources. He's being subjected to a witch hunt. Uh, what do we have in mind when we're talking about witch hunts? Well, you will look at that issue and that question very differently when you read Bill O'Reilly's latest book. It is part of that uh, a series of number one bestsellers uh, that have been began with the killing of various prominent people. The new book is called Killing the Witches. The subtitle makes clear what it's about is the horror of Salem, Massachusetts. And he's not talking about Salem today, which is kind of a suburban Boston city with uh, a, a few museum references to the Salem witch trials, which is what this book is all about. Uh, Bill O'Reilly needs no introduction. He has been for many years the number one host uh, by far on cable television uh, one of the most respected and influential news commentators in the country uh, bill congratulations on the new book appreciate it michael thanks for having me in have you were you inspired to take a look at this topic because of the very frequent references by President Trump to this idea of uh, witch hunting? Uh, it was the other way around. Um, he was inspired by me, I think. Um, look, I decided to write this book because of the cancel culture, uh, which is uh, harming this nation to a degree that not many people understand. It's hysteria. It's corruption. It's being enabled by the corporate media. Lives are being destroyed every day. We have that at the end of Killing the Witches, all of the modern-day atrocities that are happening. But I wanted people to understand about their country and how things got out of control fast. So we opened the book with the Mayflower and the 66-day journey from Plymouth, England to Massachusetts, and you did not want to be on that boat, Michael. Everybody thinks Thanksgiving, Pilgrims, Mayflower, Pass the Stuffing. No. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. And when the Puritans got here, they're at each other's throats. Half of them die. Um, it was just a frenzy every single day. And that translated later on into the witch hysteria, which took 20 lives. 20 people were executed, hundreds of others thrown into prison, jail, uh, where some of them died. No, well, they, no you, make it, you make it clear that this was not just a handful of people, uh, because there weren't that many people who lived in Salem, Massachusetts. No. Which, uh, it's, it's, and this is 1692, just to make it clear, right. it's 70 years after, 72 years after the Pilgrims landed. But It permeated uh, all of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. The only reason it stopped was because the loons in Salem accused the governor's wife, Mary Phipps, of being a witch. And that then he was so infuriated by it, the governor, that he stopped it. Uh, and there were scores killed and hung in uh, Connecticut and other places. But the point was that hysteria gripped and, and fear enveloped 
the new country, the new land. And now we have fear and hysteria again in America. This cancel culture just, and I give example after example after example. If you if regular folks, the lives are destroyed, and it's got to stop. And uh, in terms of uh, what what happened in Massachusetts, one of the things I was pleased to see about this book, because uh, this is actually something that uh, uh, opened my eyes. My eyes were opened at taking colonial history in college is uh, that this was not made up out of whole cloth, and, and your book is very fair in this regard. There were actually multiple instances of people seeming to be demonically possessed, uh, people writhing and screaming and losing control and uh, looking at one another and, and thereby losing control and shrieking and uh, what what do you believe, having researched this and written Killing the Witches, which is posted up at our website at michaelmedved.com, what do you think was really happening with all of these literally scores of mostly women, but some men as well, who seem to have demonic possession going on? Well, look. It was a superstitious age, and witch burnings in Europe numbered into the thousands. Um, in England, you were not allowed to burn a witch. They were hung because the king dictated that witchcraft was a crime against the crown, where in Europe, Germany, and France, it was a heresy. It was religious crime. So when the hysteria broke out in Salem, it broke out because these children who started it were miserable. They were oppressed. They couldn't play. They couldn't sing. They couldn't do anything because the uh, Puritan culture, it just crushes people with the, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that. So they basically started a movement that was exciting for them. The kids got attention. It was, uh, you know, they got status. People feared them. And these girls, these young girls, they put on these hysteronics, and the clerics wanted to believe this. People believe what they want to believe to this day. And there was an economic component, that if you were accused as a witch, the local government seized your house, your land, your assets, your money, and then they divided it up among themselves. <laughs> and they all got well, rich. Well, you also all talk the witch about... Hunters. You also talk about and acknowledge there's not only an economic component, there was a racial component because of a, a slave woman from Africa named Tichuba who was held responsible for having brought witchcraft to Massachusetts. Uh, you found out uh, some fairly compelling information about her, didn't you? Yes, and, and it wasn't that hard. It wasn't like Killing the Killers, um, two previous killing books down, where I had to go and ferret out uh, all of this national security stuff to tell the reader how the United States was wiping out the jihad. Here, every word in the witch trials was taken down by scribes in the courtroom. And those original transcriptions are in New England museums, and we got them all. 
So there's no exaggeration. We didn't have to make anything up or, or speculate. And this slave that you refer to, Tituba, came from Barbados uh, and brought these superstitions. Some of them were voodoo, some of them were witchcraft, and told the stories to the young girls who were excited by the stories and then incorporated them into their accusations. And meanwhile, these people, they're just living their lives, and all of a sudden the constable shows up and says, you're under arrest for being a witch. And they go, what? And then two weeks later they get a, a noose around their neck. And there, there, there's also at, at the at the end of the book there are additional passages about uh, well the case that inspired the Exorcist uh, best-selling no, novel and that, books and, and more. The linkage I make. Um, first of all, I just want to make this point: there were good people in Salem, and they knew this was just homicide. What was going on? But if they, when they spoke out, they were then branded a witch. So everybody was scared. It's like today, you speak out against the cancel culture, you're a racist, a homophobe, whatever it may be. I've been doing this for 26 years, this new analysis. Every day of my life, I'm smeared. Every day of my life. And we will go on to how does that apply to our political situation right now. Uh, that with uh, Bill O'Reilly, the author of the really sensational new book, Killing the Witches. Posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. We'll be right back with Bill O'Reilly. The Michael Medved Show. All across America. It's an honor to talk to you because I think you got the best talk show in the, in the United States. Thank um, you. I agree. This is The Michael Medved Show. The great soundtrack of a great, great movie, maybe the greatest horror movie ever made. It's uh, called The Exorcist. It is referenced uh, extensively in the new book, Killing the Witches, the horror of Salem, Massachusetts, because one of the things that William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin, who were behind the movie and the novel, the novel researched by uh, and and written by a devout Catholic, William Peter Blatty. Uh, part of what they were concerned about was the real record of demonic possession, which didn't end in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692, which is the subject of Bill O'Reilly's most recent book. And it's going to be a number one bestseller, as most of his books are. But this one, for sure, because it's fascinating material. It's called Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. And we were just in the process of connecting some of the reports of demonic possession, which continue here into the 21st century, and which uh, gripped in, in fear and, and horror and, and hysteria the uh, small town and then the entire colony of Massachusetts in the 1690s. Uh, what about that similarities between reports of demonic possession that persist in our world and what they experienced in Salem? Okay, so uh, if you are accused of a witch, that means you are in the league with the devil. You are doing the devil's work. That's the definition of a witch. And in modern America now, there is a remedy 
for cases that can't be explained by psychiatric care or medical care. There was one, and this is the basis of the book, The Exorcist, in Maryland, 13-year-old boy named Ronald Hunkler, who underwent a ferocious procedure by eight Jesuit priests in St. Louis because the boy had physical injuries. He was speaking in Amoraic. Uh, He was doing all kinds of things, hurting himself. And three months, the Jesuits tried to get the devil, the spirit, the demon, whatever you want to say, out of him. We get into that because Hunkler's life, and we chronicle what happened to him after this thing, was so bizarre and when people bring up witchcraft, a lot of times they'll bring up demonic possession. And most people don't believe that there is an act of evil, a devil, and they don't believe it. They simply reject it out of hand. But when you see what happened on that movie set, and you, you're a movie guy, you know Freakin didn't believe in anything. Eight people died on that set during the filming of The Exorcist. And Freakin himself, and we talked from him, um, he chronicled bizarre stuff that went on, and he can't, you know he attributes it to some supernatural thing. So I combine that with the real life case of Hunkler, just to say that this witchcraft deal, this demonic possession deal, is not over. It's active to this day. How did, how and, did the people die on the set? Of exorcism. And in all different it? ways. And we chronicle that. All different ways. Heart attacks, uh, accidents, um, all of that. I mean, there's so many bizarre things when you read the end of it that um, even if you are an atheist, you don't believe in anything, and you will never believe because you don't want to believe, <laughs> then you, when you go back and, and see what the chronicling is, you know, by people who don't have an agenda, they don't have a pro-faith agenda, pro-God agenda. I mean, it's pretty troubling. And uh, there are pictures of uh, Father William Bowden who Yeah, we got it all. We got their diaries. We got everything they did because they were required because the Catholic Church is so, so cautious in these matters. They were required to write down everything that happened, document what happened with witnesses, and the parents of the boy, and the relatives of the boy, and, and it's on and on and on and on. And the Washington Post actually broke this story in the legitimate press, which was a legitimate press back then, okay, in the 1950s. It isn't any longer. Um, but they broke the story, and they ran it as a hard news story, the Washington Post. You you spoke earlier today, and certainly you reference with uh, your your new book, Killing the Witches. It's posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. You reference the cancel culture as the 21st century equivalent of the witchcraft hysteria of the 1690s. What are the two most horrifying, uh, unjust, uh, appalling examples of the cancel culture that you would cite. Okay, page 266, Killing the Witches, Doug Adler. He's a broadcaster for ESPN. He's covering a Serena Williams 
tennis match. He says on the air, Ms. Williams is using guerrilla tactics like guerrilla warfare, hit and run, G-U-E-R. A New York Times stringer accuses Adler of calling Serena Williams a gorilla, G-O-R, okay? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, but it's not funny. But what happened to the guy? Adler gets fired the next day by ESPN. He then has a heart attack and almost dies. He has never received an apology, never been hired back. This is unbelievable example of a witch hunt cancel culture and this guy doesn't know what hit him and then in northern virginia a teacher kimberly williams young teacher at parkview high school loudon county okay one night police come to her house rescue her because one of her students accused her of inappropriate behavior book her she's fired by the school district She's shamed, can't come out of her house, and then two weeks later the charges are dropped because there's absolutely no evidence at all against her, but she doesn't get her job back, and she has to sue. She wins $5 million. What was she accused of exactly? She was a high school teacher. Yeah, and what was she accused of? I don't even want to tell you. Okay. (laughs) Because it's not not fair to her to... to, um, and I don't even have it in the book. I just say she was pr- accused of inappropriate behavior with a student. Okay? Uh-huh. It was nothing to it. It was like the girls in Salem. And her whole life is ruined to this day. Those are two examples, and we got plenty of others in there. This is a cancel culture. These people can't defend themselves. Very few Americans can defend themselves. They come after you and accuse you. You're done. This is wrong. And uh, again, uh, the perspective uh, is invaluable in terms of killing the witches, uh, which has to do with the reactions of people years later to the witch trials of Benjamin Franklin and particularly James Madison, John Adams, even Thomas Jefferson. Uh, All this in Bill O'Reilly's latest book, Killing the Witches. Uh, Bill, Godspeed to you. Uh, Stay safe from the cancel culture and all malevolent forces. We'll be right back. The Michael Medved Show. I was trying to think uh, as to whether there was some kind of uh, inoffensive way to uh, do a segue from talking about the Salem witch trials and the Salem witch executions. There were more than 300 different people who were put under suspicion who were investigated for witchcraft. And that was a significant portion of the Salem population at the time. In any event, to try to relate that to what went on last night at the Reagan Library. Reagan Library, a great location, a great institution. And some of the people who are running for president, um, I have great and profound respect for, particularly Vice President Mike Pence, who's going to be joining us uh, live tomorrow on the radio show. And he was one of those people, it seems to me, who escaped with most of his dignity intact from 
what was a disastrous outing last night. And uh, again, among the very, very biggest losers, there were some of the people on stage who who hurt their own cause very badly. And I think one of them is one of my favorite candidates, Tim Scott, who was better than the image of Tim Scott you saw last night, which didn't work for him. Uh, the the other biggest losers, it seems to me, aside from Vivek Ramaswamy, who, as I said, went directly from being irritating in the last debate to being insufferable in this debate, where you really just want him to go away. I mean, please stop. Stop it. Leave. Depart. Drop out of the race. In any event, uh, part of what went wrong, y you actually have to ask what came over these people. And what came over the moderators, uh, who included a uh, Ilya was one of the moderators from Univision, who spoke with a very thick Spanish accent and was difficult to understand on many occasions. And yes, I understand that uh, Fox Business and Fox wanted to appeal to a Spanish-speaking audience, but uh, surely there are better ways to do that than by putting someone on air as one of the three moderators who has a a real conversational, has a real comprehension problem. Not that she couldn't comprehend, but it was tough to comprehend her and her reference to names and places and specifics. Uh, and beyond that, with Dana Perino and Stuart Varney, who are both outstanding journalists, they're wonderful people too. And they had no control over what went on because there were not... There was not one moment of breakdown. There were many moments that sounded, well, like clip 24. Listen. It's not the fault I, I think of anybody who's involved. Basil. Some of us are excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting. Literally. While I'm speaking. Well, you said Bob Bagel. If I may finish. You can't be on both sides. Gentlemen, you'll have your turn. One of the challenges we should have. Can we please focus on the issues that matter? We know this in China. Everybody knows that. If I may address. Let's focus on holding Joe Biden accountable. That's what we need to be focusing on. I actually agree with Ron DeSantis. If I speak at the same time, no one can understand your message. Uh, when you everyone speaks at the same time, no one can understand you. Can you imagine? And what's interesting is I was watching the debate with supertitles, with the subtitles that they put on, uh, and even the the people who are trying to do the subtitles couldn't follow that. It's just disastrous. And uh, again, it. it um, uh, especially after the first uh, segment uh, where they had a, a break and they have, I think, a total of four breaks in the evening. Uh, the the fact that uh, they, they didn't stop some of the serial offenders, and one of the offenders here was Tim Scott, who uh, has basically run his entire campaign as a more optimistic, more positive, more gentlemanly, uh, look at uh, how wonderful America is, uh, basically a more positive candidate, uh, didn't come across that way last night.
Not at all. And the the key winner, it seems to me, who advanced his uh, own cause, despite the fact that he said some things that were awful, uh, was Ron DeSantis. And what you saw at the very end, at the very end, last question of the debate, which uh, uh, should have ended with closing statements, giving people a chance to at least make themselves heard, make their pitch. The last question of the debate was posed by Dana Perino. And Dana Perino, who was a former press secretary for President Bush, uh, she asked a question saying that uh, at, at this point, uh, because President Trump has such a dominant lead, uh, the new polling shows it's not that dominant at all, not in New Hampshire and uh, not not in uh, Iowa. But in any event, um, the uh, she asked the question, OK, uh, President Trump has this big lead. Uh, no one's going to stop him unless somebody drops out, unless there is more of a unification of the anti-Trump vote, which uh, which does probably still represent a majority of the Republican Party and certainly represents a majority of the country. Uh, but uh, uh, she then asked the question, which of the candidates who are up here uh, should be voted off the island? And when she asked that question, immediately Ron DeSantis capped what had been a very successful night for him, it seems to me, by taking command. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. We shouldn't do that. That's insulting to us up here. That's the wrong way to leave the debate. And it just taking charge sounded uh, presidential. And uh, the the idea that uh, we, if we have that, let's let's listen. None let's of you have indicated to... that you're dropping out. So, which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? <laughs> Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. Fifteen <laughs> seconds starting now. Of the people on the stage, Are you who serious? should be? I'm absolutely serious. That, with all due respect, wow. I mean, we're here. Like, wow. you know, we're happy to debate. Sure. But I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants yeah. to. So. Nobody wants to participate. Let's do some questions. Let's talk about the future of the country. Yeah, and that was disrespectful too. Now, speaking about disrespectful. Uh, Governor DeSantis, despite a vastly improved debate performance, had his own moment of disrespect. Uh, listen, this is clip three. It's in our interest to end this war, and that's what I will do as president. We are not going to have a blank check. We will not have U.S. troops, and we're going to make the Europeans do what they need to do. But they've sent money to pay uh, bureaucrats' pensions and salaries and funding small businesses halfway around the world. Meanwhile, our own country is being invaded. Uh, we don't even have control of our own territory. We have got to defend the American people before we even worry about all these other things. And I watch these guys in Washington, D.C., and they don't care. Okay, they don't care that our country is being invaded, that uh, 
Uh, and uh, Senator Scott uh, offered at, at least one attempt and an answer. Quickly, this is clip six. Well, we will get to that. Uh, and more last night. Uh, again, change in the presidential race and the shape of it? Yeah, I think so. How? We'll get to that. 800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved show, um, one of the people who was responding to the debate last night and is a pretty good television communicator was uh, Governor Gavin Newsom of California. He's all over the place. And uh, again, he keeps saying he's not running. He He's supporting President Biden, who he considers to be the best president of the 21st century. And uh, OK, fine. Meanwhile, Gavin Newsom's going to be debating Ron DeSantis, which should probably help both of them. That's coming up in November, and that's already scheduled on Fox. It's going to be moderated by Sean Hannity, who I'm sure will do a better job than the moderation last night, which was just feeble. They couldn't get control of the proceedings. And, uh, and one of the things that I think is going to be dramatic about that debate and and one of the reasons that I believe it will help DeSantis is uh, because if DeSantis can handle Gavin Newsom and I'm sure that he can I'm sure that he can if he's prepared to handle Gavin Newsom and he does so effectively then it's going to be much easier for him to come up against Joe Biden in a debate and uh, again, there would be less reason. One of the things that you've got to wonder about is, will Joe Biden agree to a debate with Donald Trump? Or frankly, will Donald Trump agree to a debate with Joe Biden? Donald Trump's already indicated that he's not going to be uh, participating in the third debate, which is scheduled for November 8th, which is just about exactly a year before the election. Uh, the fact that we're in the midst of this election madness right now and it's it's uh, what 14 months until we have election day this is something wrong with the american system one of the things that that really should be done is to uh to try to shorten this entire process which just goes on too long uh talking about cancel culture uh again uh, great other democracies, including Great Britain and France and Germany and Canada and Israel and you name it, uh, get their elections done in a matter of weeks. And we spend years in the process, and it's not particularly healthy, especially with the expenditures of billions and billions of dollars, uh, much of that money from various special interests. Okay, when uh, uh, you had uh, Governor DeSantis, who was saying that people in Washington don't care about the American people, they only care about uh, other countries, meaning Ukraine, and that's uh, why they're not dealing with the border, they're too preoccupied with Ukraine, 
uh, Senator Tim Scott had in part this response. This is clip six. At the end of the day, 90% of the money that we send over there is actually We're in the form of loan. It's not actually not be paid by Ukraine. It's paid by the NATO, our NATO allies. So I think it's number a good one, topic. I it's think a it's a really topic good topic too. I will say, let's, t- let's, let's debate the fact that our national vital interests is in degrading the Russian military. By degrading the Russian military, we actually keep our homeland safer, we keep our troops at home, and we all understand Article 5 of NATO. We have when to level fact, with the American people. I, I thought you said something think, about waiting until you return to talk. So, well, hold on so at the end point, of the day, I'm going to finish my... I'll be happy to debate on this. I'll, I'll look forward to this one right now. Um, so at the end of the day, when you think about the fact that if you want to keep American troops at home, the attack on NATO territory would bring us and our troops in. By degrading the Russian military, we reduce, if not eliminate, a ta- an attack on NATO territory. Okay, the Nudnik, uh, and that's Vivek Ramaswamy, who, again, is just insufferable. And what the hell are you doing, Dana Perino? What are you doing, Stuart Varney? As soon as he starts interrupting Senator Scott, who clearly had the floor, cut off his microphone. I, I mean, it's it's completely outrageous. This is this is childish. And and again, DeSantis did a better job than the others in in actually insisting on a little bit of a modicum of order. He was also very effective and uh, more uh, aggressive in calling out Donald Trump by far than he had been previously in the campaign. For instance, he had uh, this to say about President Biden and President Trump being missing in action. This is clip 17. The people in Washington are shutting down the American dream with their reckless behavior. They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. They are the reason for that. They have shut down our national sovereignty by allowing our border to be wide open. So please spare me uh, the crocodile tears for these people. They need to change what's going on. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Action. Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added 7.8 trillion to the debt. Okay, that's 7.8 trillion during the Trump administration. Uh, Chris Christie also lashed out uh, against Trump with a prepared canned uh witty line uh, that didn't exactly hit its target. It fell flat. But here's Chris Christie with his criticism of Trump, clip four. We need law and order back in our suburbs. People are threatened there. We need it in our rural areas. People feel threatened there. And we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on this stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's gonna happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is gonna call you Donald Trump anymore. We're gonna call you Donald Duck. <laughs> it sounds better with a sound effect. Then he talked about uh, Trump hiding behind the walls of his golf clubs. 
Uh, and golf clubs meaning not the uh, instrument with which you hit the golf ball, but the institution in which you play golf. This is a clip 16. None of them are willing to take on the difficult issues. They just want to keep kicking the can down the road. And the inflation that Nikki spoke about is absolutely right, and it's caused by government spending. And that's why people all across this country are suffering tonight. And yet we don't get any answers because Joe Biden hides in his basement and won't answer as to why he's raising the debt the way he's done. And Donald Trump he hides behind the walls of his golf clubs and won't show up here to answer questions like all the rest of us are up here to answer. He put $7 trillion on the debt. He should be in this room to answer those questions for the people you talk about who are Can suffering. And if, the government, and if the government closes, and if the government Can closes, it's the blame, it is to the blame of everyone in Washington, D.C., who has failed to do their job and just plays to the grandstand. Okay, again, the people talking over one another. There's a simple way to deal with this, which is to basically keep the microphones off for people uh, until they get recognized. And then you press a little button and you turn it on. But they had all the microphones on at once, and they had many, many sections of the people talking at once. The uh, next debate, uh, which is coming up in Miami, it's uh, coming up on November 8th. Uh, will Trump uh, be there? Uh, Trump has indicated uh, no. But uh, the uh, uh, just uh, as a matter of context, and I haven't even seen this yet. I just came up on the screen. Um, the uh, Ben Shapiro uh, had this to say, and my friend Ben said that debate was a an S <laughs> uh, asterisk asterisk show, obviously, but it's also clear that there are only two candidates on that stage running for president, uh, DeSantis and Haley. Quick grades, DeSantis B plus, Haley B minus, C plus for Christie, C for Pence, D for Scott, uh, D for uh, Burgum, and uh, he didn't put <laughs> Ramaswamy. Uh, but you could put on Ramaswamy. Oh, he said v Vivek C+. Plus. I think that's much too generous. One of the things about Vivek Ramaswamy was it was tough not to notice his hair and how it changed. He came on, it looked like his hair had been glued to the top of his head, and it was about four or five inches above his skull level. And then after the first break, they adjusted it. Uh, but uh, you couldn't adjust the content, alas. So where do we go next? And what about this idea of Glenn Youngkin coming in and more coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth?